Good morning to you. It is a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. It is the penultimate Wednesday before Christmas. Do you know this is the third to last? That sounds weird. I always hated that phrase when people use it. There are only, let's try that again. There are only three Wednesdays left in 2022. Say that out loud. There are only three Wednesdays left in 2022. Jay, I didn't see your lips moving. (laughs) I said, wow. That's not what I said you had to say. Say it out loud with me. There are only only three three Wednesdays Wednesdays left in 2022. (laughs) It's just, I make Jay do all this dumb stuff. (laughs) But yeah, it's kind of crazy that we're getting so close to the holidays. Well, we're in the holidays, getting so close to Christmas and the New Year's and the fact that 2022 is nearly done. I'm blown away by that. Thank you for your questions, for asking me anything. Always part of our hump show. I do go back and answer many of them, although sometimes Jay warns me away from from them because he says there are questions here that I didn't get to, that I want to get to. So he tells me, you can't answer this one. You can't answer that one. (laughs) Just as significantly uh, as all the questions that you posted on social is the barrage of answers we're getting guesses really estimates to the number of m&ms in the christmas mason jar the after hours christmas jar we talked about this yesterday morning and then because of an equipment situation (laughs) because of an equipment limitation jay had to had to take the video home and post it from home which is fine it was up soon after the show was over so i apologize that we didn't have it done during the show but it is available now for you to see. And here's my suggestion. So that you don't guess 1,000 M&Ms in a jar, in this jar. I mean, there may be some jars that hold 1,000 M&Ms, not this jar. I would suggest that you watch the video before you guess how many M&Ms are in the jar. I just love the noises that it makes. I'm like a little, I'm like a penny with one of her toys. Okay, I'll Don't stop. catch play with balls like that that have, or the ball is within a ball, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't have a cat, so you'd know more than me. But <laughs> My cat chases anything that smells even remotely like catnip. And she's 13 years old and, st- oh, 14 years old, sorry, and still chases any type of toy I throw on the floor. And good. every single time I fold the laundry, she's trying to snag the socks out of the laundry basket. Oh, that would drive me crazy. No, no, nonstop. So you know the, how the laundry basket has handles but then has holes like cutouts yeah. in the plastic? Yeah, she sticks her paw through there and tries to grab the socks when I'm pulling them out of the basket. She every she knows. She'll be in a dead sleep, and I get the laundry basket out, and all of a sudden the cat is is snagging my socks. Now, she doesn't have claws in the front, but she tries to bite the socks when they're going by the hole. Yeah. She tries to grab it with her paw and then bite it. Well, at least you know where your socks are going after they get, get disappear yes, from the probably from the underneath underneath my couch. So that's the cat. She loves the laundry, but only socks. She doesn't try to catch anything else; just socks. Knows what she wants. <laughs> she does. Uh, she also kills spiders, so uh, she is welcome in the house. Spiders and mice. Now, in my new house, there have been no mice. I found the secret to keeping the mice out of the house: peppermint, peppermint tea leaves. They I've don't got like that. No, mice don't love anything to do with mint. And I've had no signs of any mice in, even though there's obviously a lot in any neighborhood, really, but in the Northeast, to be sure. And I've had no signs of any mice in my new house because I keep tea bags full of peppermint leaves in various 
closets and parts of the house and also in uh, big vases in my attic, right? So there are pots, sorry, not vases, pots. Uh, they're the there's a big old chunk, and I change them every year so the peppermint leaves stay relatively fresh. Very potent. They smell amazing. If it works. Keeps the mice out. But when I did have mice in my last house, uh, the cat would bring them to me. Thanks. Just what you wanted. Thank you, sugar. But, yeah, so she – but here's the latest story really quickly, and then we'll get to sports. We have a lot to get to. It's a busy night slash morning here on the show. Um, I was putting up my last strand of Christmas lights. Jay saw them. They're so purdy. Not Brock Purdy, just really Purdy. That was an accident, but it sounds good. Uh, they're they're the all white lights, and I have them strung up over the top of my bay window on the inside, and and with the curtains and the window reflection, they're beautiful. I love them; they make me happy. In fact, I did yoga by Christmas light on Tuesday night. Anyway, I don't know if it was in the box or if it's it was on the bottom of the bin that I used with the Christmas decorations. Whatever it is. I go to plug in the Christmas lights and lying next to my power strip is a gigantic dead, thankfully, spider. Like its legs, it wasn't a daddy long legs either. Its legs were an inch and a half long. It was, its body was bigger than an M&M. Its body was an M&M. It was huge. Anyway, it was dead. Do you want to know why? Probably the cat. She loves to play with spiders. She chases them and tortures them. She smacks at them on the floor until they just give up and die. And and it was it was missing a couple of its legs. So I assume oh, so that it was yeah. the cat. But why, why are there huge spiders in middle of December in the Northeast? Well, it's cold. Right. But it was in an attic probably for most of. So I'm saying it might have come off the bottom of a bin. Right. You know, because oh, gotcha. I, I pulled gotcha. the Christmas decorations out of my crawl space. And I assume the... Spider came with them, which is yep. freaking me out Checks just out. in and of itself. But anyway, the spider was roaming the house until Sugar found it. Do you ever wonder how cats can hear spiders? And yet they, I don't know how she finds them. She does. I feel like I wonder why cats do a lot of things. Yeah, but that's why she earns her keep. No mice. She's, they spread the word among all their family and friends. Don't go in that house. And the spiders don't make it very long. I catch them. I, I have to get them dead then. I stepped on it anyway, just to be sure. It was missing two. It was missing two legs. Had to and, confirm the kill. And it wasn't moving, but I stepped on it anyway. <laughs> I probably would have done the same. Oh my gosh! It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Good morning to you. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. I'll put down the mason jar. Do you need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. So can sugar. On Twitter, After Hours CBS, send your guesses. After you watch the video, send your guesses for the number of M&Ms in the mason jar and the top three answers, closest answers, even if you go over, will win After Hours swag. So check that out. It's uh, got a music inter- musical interlude to go along with the video. Uh, it's on both Twitter and Facebook, pinned to the top of our Facebook page, so easy to find. Also, we've got some more fun stuff coming up before the week is over. Jay is letting me borrow a Christmas sweater. How about that? I don't have a Christmas sweater. I have ugly sweaters. They were probably gifts. But I don't have a Christmas sweater. And I was going to buy one. Then I realized that's dumb. You're paying peak price right now for it. And Jay said, I have two. You can borrow one of mine. I'm not giving it back. Sure. It's so great. I'm never giving it uh, back. Well, I just I mean, want it to be my Christmas present. Uh, Please. 
That's maybe. It's got a dinosaur on it. I mean, I think you're going to like it. It's a T-Rex. Probably more than I do, but... <laughs> <laughs> How often do you wear your Christmas sweater? It's literally got the tag on it still. Oh, See, you could put it in a box and I would never know the difference. <laughs> I, I, you're, you're right. I, damn. <laughs> I damn it. That's a good idea. Anyway, we're going to do a Christmas video for you here because I'm making Jay wear a headband with Christmas lights that light up. Well, I haven't seen these yet, so. And? Mm, we'll, we'll see how they look. We, will, we will see how they look. You're hyping them up. We like will they're... see how they look. No, I'm wearing the felt headband with the reindeer antlers. You're wearing the, the Christmas lights on your head. Oh, of course. <laughs> so we promised a video. Also, there's Grinch slippers. And, and I told Jay if he will be a good sport, he can borrow the Grinch slippers. Also, kind of funny, I did say to Jay, if you want to pick the Grinch slippers over your actual Christmas gift... Without knowing what it is, you can take door number one, which you'll know, or door number two. Are they that nice? No, they're Grinch slippers. <laughs> oh. They're really fuzzy and warm, though, and they they got a nice cushion on the bottom. That's good for a set of slippers. Yeah. No, they're, they're very comfy. I stole them in a, a Christmas swap. A Yankee swap? A Yankee swap, or, or a white elephant, whichever. All right, and you came out okay there. I got number one, so I got to steal from anybody at the end. And you Woo took the Grinch slippers. And I nice. took the Grinch slippers, plus some other stuff like, uh, let's see, there was Swedish fish. There was a little Christmas bin. There was a stocking with Sour Patch Kids. And then the two headbands, because I thought, oh, that's perfect. Jay and I need headgear for our Christmas video. <laughs> that, yeah, Jay. right. Yeah, that was a good Jay's thought. face. is fantastic. So anyway, we're going to have more Christmas goodies before the end of the week. I'm not sure that you're going to see it until the weekend because Jay is our editor extraordinaire. Uh, and I'm actually gone for the weekend uh, because I've got family obligation in Blacksburg, Virginia. Woot, woot. Uh, good thing there's a nor'easter to keep me company while I drive. But we will definitely reconvene next week and we'll let you know where to find it. I suggest you follow our show Twitter after our CBS or friend us on Facebook and that way we are connected. It was an interesting night in the NBA. That's just part of what we have to cram in through these next 45 minutes. Uh, also, in addition to NBA, we have the highlights. Actually, we'll call them highlights of the night because Alex Kovechkin. Oh, I just, I totally screwed that up. Can we like strike that from the record? Can you dump that, please? You always dump your mistakes. Can you dump my mistake? Yeah! <laughs> Alex Ovechkin, she said, with the highlights of the night. A little bit about the NFL. And of course, the tributes continue to pour in for Coach Mike Leach. A self-described pirate, one of a kind in college football, and the sport will never be the same. We had a chance to talk to a college football, well, a reporter who works in Starkville, Mississippi, covering state and the Bulldogs, and he was very generous with his time as well as his memories and his interactions with Coach Leach uh, since he covered him on a regular basis. So we're going to do all of that this hour here on CBS Sports Radio. We will start with what was the last game on the NBA slate. And weirdly enough, it looked like a blowout for both teams at different junctures. At halftime, the Celtics had a sizable lead in Los Angeles against the Lakers. But in the final five minutes, it was the Lakers who had a double-figure advantage. 
Tatum to the right, pulls up on LeBron. They're isolated, right side of the floor. Tatum spins on the baseline, turns, fades, oh. got it! <laughs> the Celtics have tied the game. They've come from 13 down in the final minutes. With my apologies to every other NBA play-by-play announcer out there, and there are many of them that I consider friends, Sean Grandy is the freaking best. He's amazing. Sean Grandy and Cedric Maxwell on Celtics Radio from the Forum. Not the Forum. Staples Center. Whoops, that's a throwback right there. Uh, from I don't think it's Staples anymore, actually. No. Oh, that's right. It's got a new name. Something Shoot. else, yeah. A throwback and another throwback. Okay, it's just LA for now. So they go into overtime because the Celtics chipped away and chipped away and kept the Lakers at bay. We're able to erase a double-figure lead in the final four minutes, and it was no contest in OT. Smart up the right side. Reeves got picked off, so smart drive. Throws to the left corner. Open Grant Williams for three. And the Celtics have the lead. They've gone from 13 down with 3.40 to go to take the lead in overtime, 115-114. Jalen moves straight away, takes the deep three. Oh. Got it! <laughs> Get off my toe, toe Lakers! Ugh. And while the entirety of the NBA said maybe the Celtics aren't all that, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum just made a monster statement. We are who we say we are. Joe came in, I mean, uh, before the game and, and set the tone for us, told us that we needed to get our shit together. And uh, we started out the game great. I think we got up to a great start. Um, was moving the ball. Um, we got a little stagnant in the third quarter. You know, that led to the Lakers getting out in transition. They got some superb athletes still, uh, which is crazy. We was able to, you know, manage it. You know, make some big plays down the stretch of the fourth where it looked like we was out. And I think we were down eight points or ten points in the fourth quarter. Uh, we're still able to come back and win. So that, you know, that's a tough and a perfect way to close out the road trip. The Celtics had a 20-point lead, so there's that. They blew it in the second half to the point that the Lakers were actually up 13, as you hear there on Celtics Radio. Jalen Brown added five of his uh, 25 in overtime. Of course, Jason Tatum breaking out of, I don't know if you call it a slump, but a couple of games that he would prefer not to repeat. He had 44 points. Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor, an MVP candidate. But here's the the biggie that you need to know. Marcus Smart nailed four three-pointers, and that was huge because he was part of that comeback. And so the Celtics are back with that best record in the NBA and avoided their first three-game losing streak of the season. And Joe Mazzula, who's their interim head coach, he likes what they were doing in the late stages. I saw us be organized. We knew exactly what we wanted to do. We had two timeouts, 28 seconds left. Um, and I saw a great player make a great shot and a guy that wanted the moment. And, um, you know, I thought that sparked for overtime, him embracing that moment. Our team fed off of that and our team kind of um, embraced the moment for the rest of overtime. We gave ourselves a chance to win. We, we didn't close it out. But um, loved our effort. I loved our tenacity in the second half and uh, put ourselves in a position to, to win a ball game. And, uh, you know, playing is a very good team, but we weren't able to close it up. I mean, this is a tough shot-making ball club. I mean, from Tatum to Brown, Mark Smart always makes timely shots. Uh, Grant Williams makes some tough shots as well. Um, you know, but you want to just try to make them take tough shots, and you tip your hat off to them when they when they make them. Um, but you just try to be physical with them, and like I said, make them take tough shots.
LeBron played 43 minutes, had 33 points, nearly a triple-double, nine boards, nine assists. Anthony Davis, 37. The only other Laker in double figures, though, Russell Westbrook played 35 minutes off the bench and had 20 points and 14 rebounds. So, actually, if I finish out his stat line, Russ had 20, 14, five assists, a steal, and four block shots and only two turnovers. How much you want to bet this was his best game of the year so far coming off the bench? But the Celtics right the ship. They're now 22-7. and seven. Straight ahead, Mike Leach, one of a kind. Opinionated, unconventional, atypical, eccentric, funny, goofy. No topic was off limits. And very often, he, uh, he used the shock jock technique. Like when he called his team the most constipated offense in football. We had the chance to travel to Starkville, Mississippi, and talk with a reporter who had covered him as recently as the last couple weeks. Two-time National Coach of the Year, a self-described pirate. College football will never be the same. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Got your coffee. Yeah. It is early. How, how do you take your coffee? What's the best way to take your coffee? Well, coffee tastes terrible anyway, so don't put anything in it to obstruct the harsh, bitter taste. Then just put it down one sip at a time, you know? So it's just all about the effect. The taste, it's not about the experience at all. It's about no. the outcome. No, the experience is terrible. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. You didn't give me a credit, but I think that's Marty Smith. Is it not of ESPN? A little bit of an exchange there. We'll try to get that credit. It sounds like Marty, though. I know his voice. And certainly Mike Leach always had an opinion about everything. Our favorite rant ever from Mike is his one on mascots in the Pac-12 when he was a coach at Washington State. And in fact, we, we meaning you and, and I, we immortalized Mike Leach for that mascot rant in the After Hours Hall of Flame. Thanks so much for hanging out with us this morning, for listening as we're kind of running the gamut, the highest of the highs, but also some real lows on Tuesday in the sports world as the news broke that Mike Leach passed away at the age of 61 after being airlifted to Jackson, Mississippi on Sunday. Had a chance to catch up with Stevon Kreisnick, who is a Mississippi State athletics reporter for the Clarion Ledger. And he was very kind and generous with his time and his thoughts about Mike Leach. I'm sure it was a really long couple days. Wanted you to hear part of that. We'll pick it up where I asked him, when was the last time he saw a coach? I would say probably after the Egg Bowl. We haven't really had um, too many media opportunities or anything like anything like that. But I will say... I'm originally from Indiana, so I was out of town uh, last week back home visiting my family. Um, but on Saturday night, this, this most recent Saturday night, there was a, a Christmas party with a lot of uh, local media members. You know, we, we usually get together around the holidays because, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of us are out of town, so we like to meet, um, you know, when we have the opportunity. And I wasn't there, but I, I had a lot of friends that were there. And, um, you know, some of the, the coaches that we cover are invited to that event if, if they so desire to come. And um, no one really expected Mike Leach to show up to that event um, because of the recruiting stuff that was going on with, with signing day coming up on December 21st. And, and he actually wound up showing up for a little bit. And um, from all accounts, the people that were there, he was in high spirits. From all accounts of, you know, recruits that were on campus that weekend, he was 
his normal self, you know, pitching them to come to Mississippi State and, and talking about, you know, whatever it is that he feels like or felt like talking about, <laughs> yes. and, uh, and which is so on brand for Mike Leach. And, you know, that's why I caught so many people off guard because just, you know, less than 12 hours before the news broke of, you know, him being uh, airlifted to the hospital in Jackson uh, with a medical emergency, he was really just being his normal self. So for you personally, Stefan, what's it been like to cover a team coached by Mike Leach? Yeah, and, and I got I got asked that question so many times throughout the, the years that I've covered him here in, in Starkville, and it, it really is. And, and, you know, at the time it was exciting, and now I look back and I even consider it a blessing. I mean, he was a guy that, you know, people see the press conferences and, and the viral moments, and he, he knew how to work because he knew how to answer questions in a way that he wasn't really answering questions. He knew how to go on. You know, these long rants where he probably lost our attention about, you know, two minutes into the 10-minute the rant or something like that. He, <laughs> he knew how to work us. He was, he was very media savvy. He, he was smart. He, you know, had a lot of green for Pepperdine. You know, if, if it wasn't, you know, if he wasn't going into football, I'm sure he would probably be a world-class lawyer or something along those lines. I mean, he, he's a smart guy, and it was always really cool to just – I always loved when the press conference ended and, and he would walk off the podium and, you know, he would always stop and have some random conversation with us you know, on his, on his way out. I mean, he went on a rant about whether turkey sandwiches were better than ham sandwiches one time because <laughs> it was what we had for the media spread that day that, that they gave us. Um, he, you know, we talked about, you know, his time at Texas Tech, and he didn't really recruit Patrick Mahomes just because, you know, he, he got fired from Tech in 2009. So he didn't really recruit Patrick Mahomes, but he knew that, you know, Patrick Mahomes was this kind of standout baseball player, and, and he kind of heard from people that he knew that that stayed at Texas Tech about how he was making his way up through the ranks and how Texas Tech was, you know, pumped to, to get him to potentially play football. And, you know, now we see what, what Patrick Mahomes' career has turned into. I mean, there's just so many – you could talk to him about anything and have a conversation for hours, and that's just what made it so fascinating what made him so cool to cover. Is you knew that he was always going to give you the time if, if you wanted it and, and was always going to, you know, be willing to, to not just have a conversation with you but, but ask you by yourself, I mean, there's times where I've had conversations with him and, you know, he's dove into my family background and talked about my family. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be interviewing you. How, how did you put this on me? How, how did you do this? I mean, he was just so curious and so interesting. And it was really, really fun and really a blessing. Devon Krajnick is with us from the Clarion Ledger, covers Mississippi State Athletics. And Mike Leach, who passed away Monday night, Tuesday morning uh, after what was a very short stint in the hospital, but a lot of tributes, a lot of support uh, over the past 48 hours for this well-known coach, two-time coach of the year, but really more the personality and uh, the unique way that he viewed life. And so we appreciate you uh, sharing some of your insights. I know a lot of times when I think about my job in, in sports radio and talking about events and, and headlines that, that are big in the sports world, uh, they tend to pale and, and become so unimportant when we're talking about a life or death situation like this or like Grant Wall passing away in Qatar, who is a, uh, you know, a well-known reporter who had covered soccer for years. For you personally, what have these last couple days been like? It's been tough and and it's been emotional, um, you know. Just like uh, I'm sure a lot of people who knew Mike Leach would, would probably say the same thing. But you know, at the same time, it's been uh, it's been really cool to, to see the outpouring of support um, for Leach and and the people that that knew him well. You know, we when you cover someone from day to day and and you see him, you know, every week at a press conference or you talk to him after every game and and things like that. I, I don't want to say it ever became routine, but I, I think you know the past couple of days have really really been you know kind of a reminder of 
you know, Mike Leach was a really special person to cover and uh, a really special person, you know, on a national level. And, and you see just with this outpouring of support, how many people really, you know, were, were intrigued with what he was going to say in a press conference, what, what he was going to call in a game. He's really a, a special figure, and, and he's a tough guy to lose just because, you know, as a college football fan, uh, we've all lost someone that, that made the sport, um, you know, a, a really, really tough sport, but also a really, really cool sport to, to celebrate and watch, you know, from week in to week out. And, and you just, it, it sucks because you know, moving forward, whether you be a, a fan of a, a team in, in the, the Pacific Northwest or a fan of a team in, in Florida, you know that the sport um, got a little more dull and the sport you love got a little more dull. 20 plus seasons, uh, Mike Leach provided something to, to sport that means a lot to a lot of people. I saw a quote from SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey in which he said, every conversation with Mike made you think. Did you often come away from your encounters with Coach Leach feeling like you had a lot to think about? Yeah, yeah, it is. It made me think that I, I got better pick up a book and start reading because this coach is going to beat me <laughs> in any argument we could possibly have. But it also sometimes made me think of what exactly was he talking about there? <laughs> so, no, he he was, like I said earlier, I mean, he was so smart. Mm. And, uh, and and going back to my conversation with Jackie Sherrill, he, Jackie said that if you ever got into an argument with Leach, you were going to lose because <laughs> he was going to say something that you didn't know or you – like I mean, he could lie to you, and you'd probably believe him just because he's so smart, and he could just probably pull out any facts that that you never knew. I mean, he was just—he really was smart, and and he always gave you. If you asked him something, or if you brought up something, you know, he would walk away thinking about it too, and he'd be curious, and and maybe he would follow you up with you down the road and be like, hey, you know, I'm still thinking about that the thing we were talking about. So he he really was. He really, uh, Greg Sankey put it in a great way, and I think uh, Greg also said he, either in the tweet or in the statement of. Um, you know, one statement is, is not enough to describe, you know, mm. who Mike Leach was. And that's also an, another really good way of putting it. He was nicknamed the pirate because he loved pirates. And I didn't know this, uh, but read about it, that he had a life-size statue of a singing pirate in his office when he was at Washington State. So as you say, many unique wrinkles to Coach Leach. Before I let you go, Stefan, is there one maybe press conference or one conversation, uh, one story that you'll remember that is stuck with you more than any other? Yeah, I'll remember this, and uh, I got the opportunity last year to, to be part of one of those iconic late-night Leach phone calls. I was interviewing him for a story about Pepperdine or his time at Pepperdine Law School, and, um, you know, I, I texted him. I was like, hey, you know, what time can we do this interview? He's like, I'll call you around 9, and typically Leach fashion ends up calling me around like 10.30. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking, all right, let's let's do this interview real quick so we can get to bed, and the conversation ended up going until about 2 a.m. or something like oh that. Oh, my so, gosh. It was just it was just such typical leech fashion of and he was so interested in, in me and, and my family and obviously, you know, I was interested in him and you know, I told him that my family's from Europe and, and he you know, he talked about all the places that he's traveled to and all the things he's done and, and that's the thing that'll just always stick with me is you know, I was a reporter fresh out of college, you know, covering my, a beat for the first time and I'm covering this coach that's, you know, been coaching for more than two decades and is, you know, maybe one of the most successful coaches in, in college football history and there we are on the phone, you know, in, in the middle of the night talking about my family. It's just mm -hmm. it's just something that sticks with you for a while, whether it's someone you're covering or just someone you, you run into. When, when someone, you know, shows genuine curiosity for you in, in a setting where, you know, they probably don't have to and you wouldn't be surprised if they didn't, it, it just sticks with you. And, and I think for, for a lot of people that have shared their stories, I, I think Leach is just how, how humble he was for someone who, who was that successful. Um, it, it really does stand out with you. 
part of my conversation with Stefan Kreisnick, who joined us from Starkville, talked a little bit about campus as well as how the team is doing. And the team has decided it will play in its bowl game coming up on January 2nd. It's the ReliaQuest Bowl against Illinois. The team wanted to play to honor Coach Leach. Uh, And I saw this tweet from Gina. I really appreciate this, Gina. Bittersweet and fitting that the Bulldogs will be playing their bowl game at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Stadium, Raymond James, as it has a pirate ship in it. He had a huge affinity and a lifelong love for pirates. I didn't realize he had a life-size pirate in one of his offices. A self-described pirate who used the phrase, swing your sword. So swing your sword, coach. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Battling Milano and then a puck set the distance all the way down into the Chicago zone. The Blackhawks starting another turnover in front and Mantha feeding it to Kuznetsov and Morazic diving. A shot! They score! And it's Alex Ovechkin! And it's 800 goals in the National Hockey League! The bench empties! Alex Ovechkin is the third player in National Hockey League history to score 800 goals. He does it here in Chicago, Illinois on the 13th of December, 2022. History here at the Madhouse on Madison. Alex Ovechkin, Gordie Howe, and Wayne Gretzky are now the only three skaters ever in National Hockey League history to score 800 goals. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. John Walton on Capitals Radio. A hat trick for Alex Ovechkin. He had two goals before 10 minutes had elapsed in Chicago. And then before it was all said and done, a third goal to get him to 800. And it's very exclusive club, as you hear with John. So congratulations to the grade eight, Alex Ovechkin. Obviously a future Hall of Famer, but he's not done. Not sure if you heard the conversation with the owner of the Capitals this week, but he actually alluded to the fact that the goal, the stated goal of Alex is to pass Wayne Gretzky, which is another 97 goals. So maybe five years or so, depending upon the pace that he keeps. And to that end, the Caps have promised him they will not go full rebuild. They will continue to put pieces around him so that they can be contenders. As long as he's there, as long as he's chasing that record, they've promised him that they will field a contender as best as possible. I love that. The trust, the partnership, certainly the relationship between the most iconic player in franchise history, the most accomplished, and this franchise's front office that desperately wants him to go out on top and wants him to be successful. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. So with a hat trick, 800 goals, all of them coming with this same franchise, he's the only one of the three to ever score all all of his 800 goals with one team. 
He's 37 years old, and he achieved this milestone in his 1,305th game. It's a big number. It's uh, the best company you ever can imagine uh, since you started playing hockey to be in uh, with that category. 800 only. I'm the third person who ever scored that uh, many goals. It was great. Um, obviously, Mo um, gave me a nice pass and I just have to put it in. And Puck was in, you know, uh, on my, my curve, so I knew like I just have to put it up and uh, it's in. When something big happens like that, to be a part of it, everybody inside the room, the coaches, the trainers, and fans watching back at home, it's such an unbelievable experience. So um, I'm really happy for him. The voice of Peter Laviolette. And actually, if you watch the third goal, Jay and I went back and watched it a few times. He knows. He knows. He waits patiently for that puck to bounce up to his stick. He's, I mean, the goalie's a sitting duck. He's out of position, and all Alex Ovechkin has to do is take a deep breath and give it a whack. But he knew. He knew in that moment that puck was his and that goal was about to be his. What's up, buds? <laughs> We love, love, love his championship celebration when he finally got a chance with millions of his closest friends. We're the Stanley Cup champions! To let loose. (laughs) I was on the air that night doing a show from Atlanta, actually, when the Capitals closed it out against the Golden Knights in Vegas. They took that Stanley Cup on a tour of Sin City. And everywhere they went, there were fans taking photos. He allowed fans to touch the cup. They were drawing a crowd everywhere they went. And I remember my show was just about done. So this would have been close to 6 a.m. Atlanta time, 3 a.m. in Vegas. And they're just walking back into the hotel with hundreds of people just kind of hanging out, running around with Alex Ovechkin, his teammates, and the Stanley Cup. (laughs) It's yours, boys and girls and boys. Congratulations to Alex Ovechkin. Pretty amazing. Uh, Just a couple of other things we want to get to before the top of the hour. The news confirmed that Kyler Murray has a torn ACL, so that stinks. And who knows how long it will take him into next year. I would say just the baseline is nine months. He's healthy. He's young. He's obviously a world-class athlete. He'll have the best care and technology that money can buy. So hopefully he's able to participate next season and to get back. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was talking about how he's encouraged. He's disappointed, but he's encouraged and believes that, hey, Joe Burrow is a great example of a quarterback who returned from an ACL surgery and was able to lead his team the next year, actually, to a conference championship. Cliff Kingsbury also played for Mike Leach at Texas Tech. We'd be watching film, and you'd throw to the wrong guy, and he'd circle each guy, say, this guy's open, this guy's open, which they really weren't, right? And he said, this guy probably scores a touchdown. And then he asked the backs, he's like, who would y'all throw to? And they're like, that guy. (laughs) And then you threw it here. See, you threw it here. Um, but that was kind of his beauty. It's like he, he truly thought that his offense was unstoppable and he made you believe in yourself you know, more so than you did. If you missed that conversation with Stefan Kreisnick from Starkville, Mississippi, about Coach Leach and about the team moving forward, certainly about uh, the legacy, and he had some great conversations with various former coaches and players that worked with 
played alongside Mike Leach. I encourage you to get that on our podcast after hours. AmyLawrence.com was also an emotional night in Houston where the Rockets beat the Suns. They got up by 23 at one point. So the Suns are in a bit of a spiral. Um, Houston played well. That's really not, to me, the bigger story here is that Steven Silas returned as the coach of the Rockets on Tuesday. Uh, He had missed the previous game because of the death of his father, Paul Silas, who was a longtime NBA stalwart. And afterwards, Steven wanted to honor him, certainly by coaching, but also by talking about him. The toughness that he had as a player and a coach, that was, um, I've heard a lot of stories like that about him, and uh, it's amazing. But like I said, it's the, everything that everybody's had to say about him has just been about him as a person, and that's like the best part for me. Coach, what's the biggest thing you hope that everyone always remembers about your dad? I'm very proud to be my dad's son. Mm. I'm very proud that people see him and me. Um, And I want that to continue. I want to be, you know, whenever it is my time comes, I want people to say the same things that they said about him over the last couple days that that hopefully they'll say that about me. Steven Silas post-game, but he also addressed the crowd and spoke about his father before the game there in Houston. And, of course, blown away by all the support he's received since his dad passed away on Sunday, I think it was. Uh, Paul was 79. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, We always try at the end of our hump show to give you a couple reasons to smile. Do you remember when Jeff Saturday took over as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts It was considered to be an eight-game tryout. Well, even though it's not going so well for the Colts, and even though they're at this point, um, well, fading, they're becoming irrelevant even, he's excited about the opportunity in front of him. Yeah, I've loved it. Like I said, I've had a great time. I know I'm the most popular guy in the room right now, right? I mean, this has been this has been fantastic. Yes. I've, it's it's crazy for me because I've went from being in the media to not paying any attention purposefully, right? Because I know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure not everything written about us or me is is positive. I'm, I'm good I'm with sure. that. I knew kind of what I was signing up for. I plan on interviewing as, as long as they, you know, give me the interview. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Uh, but but yeah, no, I'm, I, I enjoy the heck out of this and have had a lot of fun doing it. And again, I'm not discouraged at all. I know I have a vision of what this could look like in the future, uh, plan to work that way. And, and that's what I do every day is work towards that goal, understanding what that looks like. Well, here's my suggestion, Jeff Saturday. Just don't publicly accuse the ownership or the front office of tanking like Steve Wilkes did after Carolina's win on Sunday. Everything that, you know, we've gone through, they've gone through with the different, you know, coaching changes, you know, getting rid of players or the the organization trying to tank it, you know, all those different (laughs) things. And to see how those guys respond and came out and played today, it is pretty uh, uh, thrilling and emotional, yes. What are the chances that Steve Wilkes actually ends up with the permanent head coaching job, permanent in quotations, after he publicly accuses his team of trying to tank? Oh, You know, okay. getting rid of players or the, or the organization trying to tank it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe he had a chance before that. <laughs> Maybe he already knew he had no shot and he thought he'd go out in a blaze of glory. Finally, I don't know how many of you like liver. I like it even less after hearing what Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey had to say about it. 
this offseason, when I was trying to get back from injury, I went and got some raw liver. And it tasted gross. I'm not going to lie. I just kind of tried to take some, chug it with water. <laughs> Obviously, I don't look completely jacked. So it was maybe it did not work. Raw is just tough. I mean, I don't, I don't even know how to describe that. I just tried to swallow it whole. <laughs> Cooked, I tried to chew, but then it just gets pasty like mad. <laughs> There's no way to describe it. I've never, nothing I've ever had. But I don't recommend. <laughs> okay, good to know. So if you're planning your Christmas menu... He does not recommend, I don't recommend that you have liver, either raw or cooked. Also, he's not jacked, so it doesn't matter. Gross. But, you know, I guess it's not going to be as cool as M&M's regardless. The M&M jar is available for your viewing pleasure with a Christmas song on Twitter, After Hours CBS, on our Facebook page. Guess the number for After Hours Swag. Talk to you tonight here on CBS Sports Radio.